Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. All right. Well, I'm not Pastor Eddie, okay? So um, if y'all are looking for him, you'll have to come back, all right? Isn't he a great teacher of the Word, great pastor? He's wonderful, and we're glad he's away for a few days with Miss Amanda, and they're just uh, taking a little vacay time and, and getting refreshed, and so get ready. He's going to come back, ready to go, charged, all right? And so it's good to see you this morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the children's pastor here. And uh, it's just great to be in here with some adults today, all right, and some kids. But I love what I do. I love it, I love it, I love it. And I'm used to being with kids every day, and so right now I'm with some folks who act like kids some days, but not kids every day, okay? So we're, we're going to talk this morning. This is a little bit different. I'm used to teaching and going and just hammering in lots of scriptures. And you know what? Today I've got two, all right? So don't judge me because I've just got two, but uh, I'm used to just going at it, and uh, today's a little bit different. We're just going to have a conversation. That's why I wanted to come down here and talk to you. You know, sometimes uh, we get just rapid-fire teaching, but today we're going to talk as family, amen? Amen? Are you out there today? Okay, thank you. See, I've taught third grade for the last five years, and it's never quiet in a classroom of third graders, and so um, if you don't respond today... Um, I'll eat your lunch, okay? That's just what third graders do. You know, they get into each other's lunches, all right? So I'm glad to be here with you. So we're going to talk today about the wonderful world of parenting, okay? And I'll be the first to say I am not the best at it. There are far better, um, but I want to be great at it, okay? And so regardless of where you are, you've probably got, some of you have lots of experiences on your successes and on your failures and what you would do differently if you had a do-over, And some of you are getting that do-over experience with grandchildren, and some of you are getting to laugh at your brothers and sisters as you get to be aunt and uncle to their rugrat. And so wherever you're at, you know, parenting really is something that involves a lot of us. And Hillary Clinton, she said something powerful a few years ago, wrote a book about it takes a village to raise a child, and I'll give her a plug for that because it really does. It takes an entire community and an entire village to raise a child. And it's not just someone doing it haphazardly. There's got to be a lot of intention with it. So, you know, when I think about parenting and all of its glory, it sort of reminds me of the beginning of Charles Dickens' novel, A Tale of Two Cities. Anybody know how it starts? Hey, there we go. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Parenting. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light. And it was the season of darkness. It was the season that was the spring of hope and also the winter of despair. We had everything before us. And we go to the pantry and we say, we have nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. It was so wonderful. But at times we felt like we were all going direct the other way, right? Anybody ever been there? You say parenting sometimes is heavenly. Parenting sometimes is not so heavenly. Let's take a look here at some images. I love just getting on, kind of seeing other other folks' perspective. I'm afraid you have what's known as children. 
You come down with a bad case of it. All right, take a look at the next one. In our Mary Poppins voice, how many of you have said this? Okay, children, it's time to go. And 15 minutes later, you're like, Batman, I said, let's go. All right, I'm, I do that sometimes. Why are your shoes not on? I told you, get your shoes on. How do I put this? You will never sleep in again. Anybody ever felt that way? Never, ever, ever. Yes, come on, get a testimony. Witness right there. Please do not compare your dog problems to parenting. Your dog cannot say your name, Pastor Brian, 3,258 times in a day. Have y'all seen Pastor Brian's new dog? Yes, we've all seen it, Pastor Brian, okay? All right, now he, he, he's got a dog, man. He tells me stories, some I don't want to hear, but he tells me stories. You know what? The first week of school, if you're a parent, that sandwich is cut into this nice little shape. You put in fruit. You write this little love note, encouraging note. The last week of school, they're lucky if they get a handful of croutons wrapped up in some aluminum foil and out the door, right? That's just what parenting is. And here's the last one. Silence is golden. Unless you have a toddler in that case, you know that silence is very suspicious and you better go run and find out what's going on. Amen? Can you all identify with those things? You know, I mean, there are times that um, they win. Quite frankly, right? Kids win. Let's see a show of hands this morning. How many of you, uh, you are the only child in your family or you have only one child? Let me see your hands. Oh, you all were golden. All right? And then how many of you, the second child comes along and you have two kids? Anybody in here? You know what two kids is like? Oh, that's fun. We did ours 19 months apart. We thought that was a great idea until at certain seasons in life, you know. Man, when they were both out of diapers, it was great. And then we had another one, <laughs> you know. How many of you have three or more? Three or more, three or more, three or more. All right. You know what parenting's like. You're the veterans, all right? Well, you know what? It doesn't matter how many kids you have. Have you noticed how parenting changes when you have your first child? Then you have your second child. Then you have your third or your fourth or your fifth or your sixth or your Duggar family, right? You know, uh, your, your parenting style changes a little bit. Think about moms. Think about your wardrobe. Remember having that first child? And going out shopping, and you started wearing your maternity clothes just as soon as the doctor said, you're pregnant. You wore those maternity clothes. The second baby came along, and you waited to put those maternity clothes on as long as possible until you absolutely had to. And you know what? By the third child, your maternity clothes were your regular clothes, right? You just wore them all the time. You wore them all the time. Uh, Think about the baby clothing. Remember those showers you used to have and everybody would get you all those nice things and they were so pretty and then you said, I've got to wash these things because these dyes can't be on my baby. This scratchiness cannot be on my baby. So I'm going to wash it all with the first child. You fold it all up neatly. You stick it away inside that dresser. It's all nice and neat. Second child comes along. You get those clothes out and you throw away the ones that have the worst stains, right? They're going to wear it. You know, third child comes along and you think, can boys wear pink, right? You know, they're just going to do whatever you can, you know. Pacifier, remember that pacifier you chased all over the house? First child comes along, it drops on the floor. (gasps) We're going to put that back in that plastic container that that thing came with. Put that thing down that diaper bag, and when we get home, we're going to boil that, and that will go back into your mouth after we boil it, right? Second child comes along, you pull that pasty, drops on the floor, you scoop it up, you wash it off with some juice, throw it back in their mouth, you're good. 
third child comes along, you know what? And some of you moms, I've seen you. You put it in your mouth and you stick it right back in there. You know, it's just what we do. It changes. It changes. Diapering. Think about that first child. Oh, diapering. Y'all remember the first time your child ever peed on you? Yeah, I remember that. It went all over Sarah's face. She fled. And then I'm standing here trying to put it all down, you know. That first child, though, you are changing every hour. You're checking two or three times an hour. You're going to change it. You're keeping pampers going. Second child comes along, you know. You might change it two to three hours if it's really needed. Third child comes along. You are waiting till the very end. That thing will be sagging down at their knees. People will be complaining about how bad it smells, and you're still wondering whether you really need to change it at that point. That's what happens, because our parenting styles change. You think about at home, at home, at home. I see some of you, you put these beautiful pictures on of your baby, and you write these wonderful posts on Facebook, and you're sitting at home all day long with your first child, just looking at them. Aren't they beautiful? You're having to dump photos off your phone because it's using up so much of your memory. Second child comes along, you spend a little bit of time every day just watching to make sure your older child isn't squeezing his face off, right? Third child comes along, you spend all of your day trying to hide in the bathroom because you don't want to deal with these kids, right? You're not looking for them, they're looking for you. You know, how I many of you ever been on the toilet and these little fingers are sticking under the door? You know, you know. I mean, that we're just going to be real in here. I told you this was different today. You don't have a scripture for fingers sticking under the door, okay? We're talking today. We're just going to talk today, all right? Regardless, you know what? If you have one child, two, three, six, they multiply into 12. Here's the thing. All children come with the same rating, and it's PG. PG, parental guidance needed. It's not stamped on their birth certificate. It's not written on those wonderful receiving blankets or those little things they put on their head to hide the cone head in the hospital. You know, it's not in any of the manuals. We can read and 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 basically, bam, right there, parental guidance needed. All children need parental guidance, PG. Kids don't raise themselves and we as parents don't have all the answers, okay? There's a big elephant in the room today that when you talk about parenting and certainly now in the rise of social media and the accessibility of what we know about each other secretly because we all scope out everybody's Facebook, right, or Instagram or those kinds of things, you know, and we see these glimpses of people's lives that are just perfect. And we see these snapshots and we can get really down in the mud and start this comparison game that's really hard, false. Because here's what we do. We see the best part of their day played on a slideshow. But we don't see the 99 other failures or the 99 other hard times that day that these people are experiencing. And if we're not careful, we'll live in this false reality that everybody else has got it together and I don't. And everybody else is this perfect parent. And why can't I achieve to that level? Listen, it's the elephant in the room. It does not exist. There are no perfect parents. Here's the deal. No perfect parents exist with all the answers out there to every parenting issue. In fact, here's the deal. 
When you seem to be on a roll as a parent and things are going so good and you got this thing down, your child's doing their routine, here's what happens. They morph. Like they change into this new version of themselves and they cause you to take this book that you thought you knew everything about and you have to completely rewrite your whole parenting manual. That's what happens in parenting. You know, there's a lot of trends in parenting that come and go. Some of you may be riding some of these trends. Some of you may be resisting these trends. But what about this one? What do I feed my baby? Do I do this all organic, whole, completely no preservative diet? Or do I just go down and buy what's cheapest on sale that I can find because I'm running through Dollar General and I got to grab something, you know? That's a trend. Or what about this trend about pampers versus cloth diapers? Cloth diapers. Now, some of you had to do cloth diapers when you were parenting. You had no choice. Do you remember how bad that was? Who remembers how bad cloth diapers were? And people are choosing to do that today. You know? Uh, More power to you. If you can do it, man, once it comes out, I don't want to deal with it again. I don't want to wash that thing. It's done. It's done. Throw that thing away. You know? Or what about uh, this whole deal about no TV at all. My child is not going to watch TV. Or some people are like, I'm buying every Baby Einstein video I can. They're going to watch that thing because they're going to be brilliant through Baby Einstein. You know, that's one of the trends that, that's been going around uh, for several years. Or what about this? How should I discipline my child? Should I discipline my child? Is it okay to tell my child no? You know, there's this whole thing in education that went around uh, several years ago and still exists. Don't ever tell a child no. Don't ever tell a child no. Okay, I worked in a, in a center that uh, believed that you have to get really, 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 really creative to tell a child not to do something without telling them no. Okay? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Some of you are shaking your head, okay? If it works and you have the mind that can work that way, that's good. But, you know, sometimes we just need to say no. Right? No. Well, here's the thing. There's one pattern of parenting, one trend, one staple of parenting that's never going to get old. It's never going to be obsolete. It's never going to be outdated. And here it is. It is absolutely necessary. It's an absolute necessity for children to receive spiritual training spiritual mentoring and discipleship under your parental guidance okay it's not negotiable we have to do it if we don't we're going to see the fruit of of negligence and not having spiritual training for our kids it's non-negotiable and here's why you can go out and you can research lots of things. George Barna and his group, they do a lot of research continuously about trends and things that face uh, the church world. And they did a, a, a research a few years ago, and they investigated the long-term effect of spiritual activity among children's, children and teenagers. Children and teenagers. Children and teenagers, all right? Um, here's the thing that they found out. They went and they asked adults to think back to when they were children, Think back to their upbringing and their spiritual training and, and just kind of weigh in on that. This is what they found. One of the remarkable facts about the current U.S. adult population is their exposure to spiritual training as children and teenagers. More than eight out of every ten adults remembers consistently attending Sunday school or some other religious training before the age of 12. Now think back to your childhood. Maybe some of you were one of those 8 and 10. Maybe some of you were the two that that didn't receive that, okay? 
But overwhelmingly, 8 out of 10 adults remembers going to Sunday school, receiving some spiritual impartations, some spiritual training. And those who recall being involved said this. They said they were engaged every week in spiritual training. In fact, 7 out of 10 adults said they, were, they attended religious programs weekly. Okay? Religious programs. Now, hopefully, that was some systematic teaching that really had some impact into their life because... The result of this, there's not, um, you folks in, in research, you know this better than I do, but there's a correlation factor and there's a causation factor. And going to church as a child did not necessarily cause them as an adult to still attend as a direct result, but there was a correlation to the amount of people who were still involved in church activity and strong in their Christian faith compared together with folks who received that training as a child, okay? So the core research here says that most American results recall frequent faith activity when they were growing up and that the odds of one sticking with faith over a lifetime are enhanced in a positive direction by spiritual activity under the age of 18. Now, did we really need them to do that research? Common sense tells us we don't have to be that smart. We don't have to spend thousands of dollars. What you put in on the inside of them when they're a child is going to manifest later on in life, right? Okay? Now, there's some research that proves it, but, I mean, come on. We know this, right? Kids need our parental guidance when it comes to building godly values and godly character. It's not going to happen by accident. It could happen by circumstance, but even circumstance controls that, okay? It's not going to happen by accident, but you are part of that. So here's the thing today. You know, some of you might be sitting in here, man, I'm so glad my parenting years are over. Boom, I'm going to sit down, I'm done. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because either you're a grandparent or will be a grandparent. You might be an aunt. You might be an uncle. You've got somebody else's kids to really mess up and send them back home, right? Uh, you know what? We're all involved in this. We're all in, in on providing this guidance for children. So if you're a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, this includes you today, so I want you to check out, all right? But here's the thing today. I want you to understand, we can transfer our values to the next generation. We can do that. We can do that. We can pass on biblical values to our children. We can do that. We can do that. We can equip them to live godly lives in the midst of of an ungodly world, okay? So if we can do all those things, the big question is how? How do we do that? How do we instill values? How do we transfer our values? How do we instill in them the godly character and the nature that he desires for them to have? What can we do now to pass on these values? What can we do to instill these concepts into our children? Well, the answer to this is found in a passage over in Deuteronomy 6. So if you've got your Bible today, go ahead and turn over to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. And this is the passage that follows right after the Ten Commandments and Moses, and he's talking to the children of Israel. And so, you know, this is really the, the core of the Christian faith and where it really gets established and set forth into how we need to follow after God, what our relationship with God should look like. And it says this in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These, six, these commandments I give to you today 
are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Okay? This passage is a divine model. It's a God-given thing. It's God transferring his desire into the hearts of men about passing on our faith and our values to our children. And here's the thing. This model involves three steps that we're going to talk about or three um, points or parts of it today, okay? Here's the first one. In order to pass these things on down to our children, these commandments, to impress upon them, to talk about them, how do we do this? Here's the first thing. We have to continuously build a relationship. Continuously build a relationship. Have you ever been on the job before and you've got this great knowledge of something or you have an, a, an idea about something and you're so excited about this idea and you want to share it and when you share it with somebody and they're like what in the world are you talking about and they just kind of have this wall put up and they're like who are you who are you what do you what do you mean you're coming in here with this new idea our kids can sort of be like that sometimes too okay because if we don't have that strong relationship developed with them you know what they're they're going to test you out first They're going to put this bubble around themselves and they're going to filter through the truth that they intake into their life, okay? And so if you have a relationship with them, if if they know that you love them, if they know that you have their best interests at heart, if they know that you will go to battle for them in any situation, then they're more open and receptive to what you try to put down on the inside of them, okay? So continuously build a relationship. Passing our values on to our children requires a healthy relationship. Notice there's a qualifier in there. A healthy relationship. If your relationship with your child is not healthy, then it hinders that growth, okay? It's uh, God's model for teaching biblical truth to young people called for a constant process through a relational model. When you look back at verse 7, okay, let's look at for the, these ways that you can help grow this relationship. It says, impress these things upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. That's relationship. Okay? When you walk along the road, that's relationship. When you lie down at night, man, those are some of the best times. One-on-one, talking to your kids when they lay down at night. That's relationship. When you get up, that's relationship. So how can we expect to teach children these things and teach our sons and daughters if we're not around a whole lot. I mean, this, this hit me a few years ago. Um, this hit me hard when I, when I did my first ministry experience. I was doing everything in ministry. We were building a new youth facility. I was going to meetings with architects and engineers. And we were building this big youth facility. And I was on staff going to every funeral, every wedding, uh, doing my hospital day, all this stuff. And one day I came home and um, Sophie was little. And I came home late from work changing clothes to go back out to a funeral visitation of somebody I really didn't even know as just a church member. But um, at that time on staff, we went. And so I changed my clothes and Sophie looks up at me and says, where are you going? I'm not seeing you lately. She's little. You know, that's hard. Hard to have a relationship when you're not there a whole lot. So you've got to be there. All right. If we're never sitting in our own house, if we're never walking with them while they're walking by the way, if our kids are in bed by the time we get home and we're gone in the morning when they get up, that's going to be hard to build a relationship. 
Now, I know there are times and seasons in your life where you have to do that, okay? You have to do that. But a lot of us choose to do that. A lot of us choose to be a workaholic, okay? And our kids are looking for us. And they're asking the question, when's daddy coming home? Okay? They're looking for us. So in order to be there, to build that relationship, we've got to be there, okay? We can't impart truth apart from honest meaningful relationships. We've got to have it. God wants us to teach His truths in every relational interaction with our kids, even in the most mundane times, okay? Think about the worst chore in your house. The worst chore in your house. What are those things that your kids balk at every time when it comes time to doing some chores? In our house, it's dishes. I don't, I don't know why we don't just go all paper. It'd be completely easier. You know, but we have dishes and we have things that cannot go in the dishwasher. Anybody else have that too? Man, why do we buy those things? Why do they make those things? But in my house, my girls do the dishes most of all, and they've even learned how to hand wash. So, yay us. Uh, But, um, you know, it was a struggle. It's a struggle. And Sarah does better at it than I do. I'm like, do dishes, get them done. I can't cook your dinner until the sink's clean. You know, but she does better. She gets in there and she helps them with it. And I've kind of started doing that too, even though I don't want to do it. But it's that relational time in the mundane, talking about, you know, make that a spiritual opportunity. The Bible talks about if you clean up all the inside and the outside still looks bad, you know, or if we clean up the outside and the inside looks bad, you know, those are opportunities you have to share some spiritual truth with them. So even do that in the mundane things. You know, have you ever heard this statement? Ever heard this? Finish it up for me. It's not about the quantity of time you spend with your kids. It's about the quality. How many of you say that just doesn't sit well with me? It really doesn't mean I hate that statement. Okay? I do not like that statement. Because I feel like it's a, we've been sold a, a, a bad bill of goods on that. Okay? I feel like that society has, has kind of fed that. And we've, we wanted to believe that to kind of appease some guilt in us for not being there. Listen, it is about the quality of the time that you have with your kids and building this relationship. But it's also about the quantity of time that you're there, okay? If you have all this quantity that you're there, you're there, you're there, you're watching TV, they're in the other room, you're there, you're doing your own thing, you're there, but there's no quality to it, what's the point? You're not building relationship. But even if you've got all this quality and we make these wonderful dinner dates and these father-son things and these mother-daughter things and we go get nails done and it's so quality, but we do that about once a month and I hear my kids' heart about once a month, are you really building a relationship with them? You can have all the quality with no quantity and have very little impact, okay? So here's the bottom line. When I have worked to develop the relationship with my child, then I've also developed trust. When I work to build this relationship, I have developed trust. And when I have trust, they don't have that wall and that bubble up against me. So I have a greater door of entry to impart God's truth into them, to impart the nature of God, the character of God into their heart. And it's because I made an effort to continuously build a relationship. Second thing, Second thing we've got to do in this process of passing on our values, of instilling godly character and God's word and God's nature into our kids, we have to lead by example. Okay? We have to lead by example. Passing our values on to our kids entails 
example. Entails example. We have to lead by example. We cannot say, I'm taking you to church, get everything you get, and then come home and watch everything on TV that we want to watch that completely goes against the Word of God. Okay? Because they're watching what we watch. It amazed me. I had a third grader a few years ago. She had a demented idea of reality. It was really strange to me. And she would say these things. And she had these fears that were just very odd and strange. And to come, come to find out when I sat down with her dad, I found out that she, a third grade girl, eight years old, is playing World of Warcraft with her dad. Okay? And then I go, well, of course. And some of you may not know what World of Warcraft is good. Just don't even look, okay? Uh, it's, it's a video game. And I thought, no wonder she's dealing with this. Because the reality in this video game and the reality in her world are completely different. And she was having quantity of time with her dad, but there's no quality of time. She was seeing this example as her dad led. And it was leading her in a way that was causing big fear to her. Verse 5 and 6, talking about leading by example, says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You lead with your heart. And with all of your soul. Love Him with all of your soul. And with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. We can't expect these values to be in the hearts of our kids if it's not on our heart first. Okay, And if they don't see us leading with it, they're not going to follow our lead. So we have to model this first. Whether you know it or not, big news flash. You're being watched. You're being watched. You're being watched. You're being watched all the time. And the things that you model by design, you want them to see, are those things that you model by accident, powerfully communicate your convictions, your beliefs about right and wrong, about morality and even immorality to your kids, okay? Here's how I know I was being watched. You're being watched. I'm being watched, all right? I have friends around town. Their names are Zeke and Zelda, okay? Some of you may meet my friends every day when you go out to drive. Zeke and Zelda are those people who drive about 20 to 30 miles below the speed limit, and they seem to get right in front of you every time you need to get somewhere. Anybody ever saw Zeke and Zelda around town? They not only live here, but they live back in Cookville, Okay, And I discovered a lot of times they had Overton County tags. I don't know why, but we used to joke about that. I'm like, look, they got Overton County tags right there. Okay, That's where my grandmother lives, or Sarah's grandmother lives, so we joke about that. But here's the deal. Driving down the road, Murfreesboro, Zeke and Zelda pull out in front of me. This is what I say. What are you people doing? What are you doing? And then from the back seat I heard, yeah, what are you people doing? We're being watched. We're being watched, you know. In my frustration, these people pulling out in front of me, what are you people doing? I hear from the back seat, yeah, what are you people doing? That's the bad side of the coin. The good side of the coin is this, you know. There are times we pray, and uh, I hear when my kids pray some of the same words that I utter, some of the same phrases that I say, some of the same scriptures that I pray, I hear them pray it too. That's because when we lead by example, they're going to follow our example. They're going to follow what we do. They're going to say what we say. They're going to believe what we believe. And they're going to also, in turn, someday, impart that into somebody else. Okay? So if we want to pass on biblical values to our children, we must model those values in our own life. His words must be upon our hearts first. 
before we can impress them upon their hearts and upon their minds as children, all right? If we want our sons and daughters to accept the ideas that there are absolute standards to godly living of right and wrong, we've got to let them see that we believe it ourselves, okay? If we want our kids to be honest, we better be honest in word and in deed. If we want our children to flee sexual immorality, then we've got to set some safeguards in our home and ourselves, not watch some of this stuff on TV, not get involved in some of these movies and things that come out. Now, I don't like y'all not liking that, okay? But I know that's the truth, okay? We as believers have lowered our standard and some of the things that we know that are right and wrong. And when you watch these things and you sit for 45 minutes and then it gets to that one part that you have to turn it off, why did you start in the first place? If you know it's going down this road, okay? I've walked out of movies before. I've paid for them, walked out. Will your kids see you doing that same thing? Or will they see you just allowing those things to kind of go under the radar, all right? If I want my kids to talk kind to other people, I can't say, what in the world are you doing? When, I, when somebody pulls out in front of me, okay? If you want your kids to pray, let them see you pray. If you want your kids to read the Bible, then let them see you read the Bible, okay? They're going to follow your example. So in order to have this proper parental guidance, this PG that's needed to pass on our values of faith, we've got to do these two things. We've got to continuously build that relationship. We've got to lead by example. And here's the third one. We have to be intentional with our instruction of God's Word. Intentional, on purpose, deliberate. Have a plan. Carry it out. Passing our values on to our children includes intentional instruction. Instilling biblical values requires a purposeful, purposeful, purposeful commitment. There's that C word we don't like a lot of times. Commitment. Okay? to teach our children at every opportunity. We have to make the most of every opportunity. This is what it says in the Amplified Version of of verse 7. It says this, You shall teach them diligently. doesn't just say you'll teach them whenever you have time for it. Okay? It's intentional action. Teach them diligently to your children. Impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with truth. You know what I like about that? Impressing requires effort. Penetrating requires effort, okay? It's not just going to, you know, happen by happenstance. Some of it will. Kids are like sponges, and they'll soak in sometimes some of the things that we want them to grab. But it has to be intentional. And you shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, okay? Think about the way it used to be. Some of you grew up several generations ago, And it was a whole lot different, okay? I'm 41 years old, and I remember a time different than what it is today. I remember growing up, and um, my brother is four years older than me, and so when he got to be school age and my parents worked, we stayed with my grandparents on my dad's side because that's where our school was, and we got on the bus at their house. And so I stayed with them uh, for several years, and then when I got to be in school, I started riding the bus too. But... I remember spending time with my grandpa. My grandpa was a farmer. He had cows. Um, He um, cut hay, baled hay, square bales. Okay, if you know what square bales of hay are and never worked in that, you know that's hard work. 
And I remember, we didn't watch a whole lot of TV at Grandpa's house because uh, they only had two, four, and five, you know, growing up. And they had the black and white TV that when the thing went out, there was that white dot right in the middle that stayed forever. Anybody remember that? You remember that? Okay. I remember that alligator clip thing on the back. That's how they hooked their antenna in. I used to play with that thing, you know, and try not to get pinched. But I remember a lot about my grandfather's house, and I remember him being an honest man, and I remember people speaking well of him in the community. And my grandmother, let me tell you about my grandmother. Wow. I have a book in my office. a black and white book with black and white pictures in it and it's all about the stories of the Bible I couldn't even read but I could almost say those Bible stories word for word because she had read them to me so many times and it was her joy that when her pastor would stop by for a visit she'd say tell him about that Bible story right there and she would, she'd say oh he gets that almost word for word every time. It was relational, led by example, and it was intentional. And then I had grandparents on the other side. My mom's side of the family, they were Pentecostal. All right? I love my grandma. I didn't get to spend as much time with them um, early on as I did later. But I love my grandma. My grandma, she was a country woman. My grandpa was a pig farmer. And uh, he was always old. He was 30 and my grandma was 16 when they got married, okay? So I just remember grandpa always being old, old. Um, but my grandma, she loved, loved, loved the Lord. And she wanted you to love the Lord too. And I remember her, you know, she had this big garden beside her house. And if she ever needed anything from the garden, it wasn't go put your nice shoes on or go put your muddy boots on or whatever. No, grandma just went out into the garden marred up to her ankles, you know, coming back, bringing in a whole load. Sometimes her, her uh, apron would be pulled up and she would rinse her foot off in a five-gallon bucket that she'd set at the end of the house where they caught rainwater in, you know. Come on in the house, muddy feet, and we'd sit and break beans. And I knew about the love of the Lord because of that, you know. But our time's not that way anymore, is it? How many of you break beans with your grandchildren? How many of you go out and rustle up cows that have gotten out of the field? I remember those things. You know, our time's different now. Now our time with our kids are running to dance class and going to ball practice and doing music lessons and sports tryouts. And here's the other one we allow to interfere into our life sometimes is our adult hobbies. Okay? Our adult hobbies. If we allow our adult hobbies to over take the time that we could have with our kids. Let me just tell you, better do a little checkup on that thing. I'm not saying don't have that hobby, but if you're doing it in excess and your kids are not seeing you because of that hobby, you might want to pull back a little bit, okay? Ouch. I told you this is not my normal. I love giving y'all scriptures about things, you know, but this is, this is where we're at, you know? If it impedes our relationship with our child, then let's change it, Okay? So passing on our values to our kids often becomes the last thing on our calendar. Okay? It's life. I'm not saying don't do these things, but bring it into proper perspective and proper balance. It doesn't mean, you know, that we've lost the battle if we're doing some of these things, 
Because there is a battle out there. And here's the thing I've discovered about the battle. The people that stay in the back and don't get engaged in the battle are not the true victors. Okay? The true victors are those people that are consciously advancing forward, who are making things happen in their lives. Okay? And here's the thing I know. I can get out on the front line and feel like everything is coming against me. We've experienced that this year. Man, if I had known what was coming this year, I would have, would have uh, I don't, stockpiled, I guess, in my life, you know, for that season. But we've been in a battle this year. And here's the thing I know. We're going to win because the helper is our Holy Spirit. He is our guide. He is our comforter. He leads us into all truth. He gives us wisdom in every situation. And when it comes to parenting, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I may be bruised. I may be battle-worn. But I will win with my family. I will win. That's God's plan for our family. It's not to live in defeat. It's not to live in despair. It's not to see my children beaten up by the world. We will win this battle. But here's the thing I know. I can't sit back and let somebody else wage my war for me. I can't put somebody else out on the front line and expect them to do it all. I can link arms with a lot of people. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to seize every opportunity. So in order to have proper parental guidance to pass on these values, we've got to do these three things. Continuously build our relationship with our kids. We've got to lead by example. And we have to be intentional with our instruction of the Word of God. We've got to have a plan. Okay? So now I just want you to think about what you're doing. Okay? I had to answer this question first in my life. Okay? How am I doing on these things? How am I doing on relationships with my kids? I'm watching my oldest daughter turn into a teenager. And I'm watching her kind of retreat into just being a girl teenager, okay? Not bad. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just the change, you know, that they don't really need your advice on everything so much all the time. Or they don't need you to tie their shoes and help them straighten their coat or do their hair for them, okay? I used to do my girl's hair. I loved it. It's time I used to have with them. You know, you want to see a ballet bun? I can do it, okay? Because she taught me how, you know? I used to go to dance classes and sitting there and all these ladies, because she was working some, and I'd take them to ballet. I'd whip up that ballet bun right there in that room, and these ladies are looking at me like, man, he's got some skills. Yes, I do, okay? I'm glad to say that I could do that for my kids, you know? But here's the thing. What's our checkup on this today? Where are you at as a grandparent? When's the last time you as a grandparent had an intentional conversation about what your children believe, your grandchildren believe? What about you as an aunt and uncle? Your job is not just to mess them up and send them back to your grandparents. Let me tell you, my my sister-in-law messed us up on my son's birthday. Gave us two goldfish, okay? That's what you do as an aunt and uncle. You mess those kids up and send them back. No, listen, what are you doing as an aunt and uncle to have an intentional conversation about their beliefs in God, okay? Here's the hard question. Let's just get right down where the rubber meets the road. What happens to kids who don't have godly parenting? What happens to those kids? I see some of you. You're loading up your car coming on Wednesday night and you're bringing some of these kids from different families. Thank you. 
for bringing them here. Well, what happens to these kids who don't have that intentionality going on in their homes, where they don't have somebody leading them by example, where they don't have someone building a strong foundation with them? They're coming here. They're coming to our church. They're coming into our classrooms. We're getting new converts and families whose parents have no idea how to impart spiritual truth into their children. But we can, and we get that awesome opportunity. So let's talk here just a minute as family today. We need you. We tout this and we say this all the time that we are a church about kids' ministry and youth ministry. And yes, we are. But are we fully seeing that not only in word, but also in action? Okay? We need you. We need you. If you are not involved in some form of ministry, you have a gifting and calling and a talent that God wants to use. And some of you are involved in lots of different ministries. We've got wonderful teams of volunteers already in place But we're growing, and we're ready to multiply some of these teams out. I've got people with giftings and talents that are just waiting to bring somebody alongside of them and pour into them so that they can mirror and do what they do, and it can be multiplied out. Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor, we had some weeks about 200 kids. We ran about 150 consistently. And here's the hard thing. I wanted to know every kid and everything about them, but I could not do that. And I had a big revelation moment that... I can multiply multiply myself in adult volunteers and put inside of them my same passion because they'll catch it. They'll catch it. And then they can reach out and they can touch kids that I won't deeply connect with. Okay? And that's what we're doing here. We've got folks who are diligently serving every week to impart truth into our kids. Whether they're your kids or some kids that you brought, whether you know how to impart spiritual truth into them or not. We've got people ready to do that. When I think about these areas, let me tell you about rangers, Royal Rangers. Man, they have got a fire inside of them. It's been going years, and they've been doing some incredible work. But I'm going to tell you, there's a new spark in ranger ministry. And I have watched these guys get behind the vision of raising up godly boys into men of character and integrity. And when you see this Royal Ranger prop, uh, this program in place and all the things that it can do and boys and the way that they're excited about the things they're doing. I went in the other night and they were not tying and they had things. I said, oh, y'all not tying. No, sir, we're lashing. All right, they know the, cro- the proper terms and they're doing this and the word of God is being imparted into them connected together with some practical skills that they need for life. We've got two classes right now. And they are about to bust out of the rooms. Last week, I had to move Discovery Rangers into a bigger room because we had about 19, Brian knows, we had about 19 kids together with leaders crammed into a room that was really small. And we moved over into the next room. We've got uh, our Ranger Kids program. Those kids are excited. If you just see a mass of yellow on Wednesday nights, you know that's our Ranger Kids and they're wearing their yellow t-shirts and they're excited. And their teachers are doing a phenomenal job. But men, we need you. We need you. Because the effectiveness of our program, if we keep growing with these groups of kids, we lose that individual effect that we have. So we need you to engage. We need you to come alongside these teachers. You can serve as a helper. You can serve uh, in lots of different roles. But we need you. Impact Girls. Man, Alicia, you did a phenomenal job 
in this program here. Miss Patty was in first service. These ladies for years have worked to develop and impart discipleship into our girls. To see them become women of purity, women of character. Our program is continuing to grow. We've had to kind of break up some of the classes. We had about 14 girls meeting in what I would think is sort of like a closet. Some of you, your walk-in closet at home is bigger than this room. We had these girls meeting. We had to move them. Okay? We're constantly making adjustments because of the size of these groups. We need you, ladies. We need you to jump on board and get involved in what we're doing on Wednesday nights. Okay? Nursery. Let me talk about nursery. It's fun to work in nursery because you can love on these kids and then send them home, right, to somebody else. You know, you get your baby fix. You get, you get to see them. But not only that, we're not just babysitting back there. We're building a foundation inside of them that they hear the truth. They, they get Bible stories. They see all of these things that we do in class to impart the truth of God's word into them. And we need you. We need you to serve. We need you to serve. Parents, if you have a child in that age, we don't have a written hardline policy on this, but if you have a child back there, we need you. You need to work at least once a month, okay? Once a month. Give up one service once a month and get involved with us. We have everything laid out for you. It's prepared for you. We'll even send you the lesson plan through the week so you can see what you're going to be doing and what you get to join with other people doing. We don't leave you alone in there, okay? There's a lot to do and a lot of folks to help you accomplish it. But we need your help in nursery. You know, we need kids' church. is an opportunity to grow right now. John Green has a vision to see kids lead worship in kids' church. Kids lead worship in kids' church. That's not far-fetched. But we need some adults with musical talents and abilities that can sing, play instruments, that can work the tech side of those things, sound media, lighting to get involved, to help us get this off the ground, to get these kids, to train these kids in worship. If you have a heart and a passion for that, please get involved. We need some of you with just enough crazy to come join us, okay? We've got things, I, I, I told this the first service, we have an abominable snowman costume that I am wanting to bust out this year while it's snowy, okay? I want to get that thing out. I want somebody crazy back there just to engage with kids. And have a good time. You don't have to teach. Just bring your crazy, okay? Bring your crazy. We want you to be back there, all right? And love on these kids. Junior kids, man, Miss Kathy and Miss Beth, they work together first service. Robert and Brooke Douglas, they're my second service team. Both teams need help. Those kids are multiplying. Miss Kathy said she had 15 this morning. Let me tell you what she's doing this morning. She blew up an air mattress and they're back there, Peter, walking on the water. And what it feels like. And those kids are stepping on that. You want to talk about some creativity and some things that God has imparted into a lady, into a team. Her and Beth, they're doing it every week. Come join them. Junior kids. We may have to grow another room for that, okay? Build some more space for that. We've got lots of great things going on. VBS is coming up. We have a phenomenal opportunity to reach into our community for VBS We have a phenomenal leader, Jennifer Green, and she assembles a team every year that does amazing things. But this is the challenge, and I told her this the other day when we met. I said, here's our challenge for our VBS leadership team, because Pastor Eddie has challenged us in this this year, is that we want to reproduce ourselves in somebody else. 
So that means if you serve as a leader in this area, you need to find somebody who you can impart and teach and show them what you do so that the next year, if it continues to grow, which it will, then we can help shoulder the load, okay? And man, they're excited. VBS, they, we already know the theme. It's going to be phenomenal, okay? I'm so excited about it. But here's the deal. Let us help you develop inside of you the gift that God has placed on the inside of you. We're going to look at one more scripture and we're going to be finished here. Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples. That's our command. Our command is not to get saved and come sit in a church. Our command is to go and make disciples, teach disciples. Now, how many of you today can uproot and go to another nation to do that? Not a lot. Okay, that's, that's the vision for some people. But for us, where has he placed us? Here. So let me ask you, how's that working out for you? How's that working, obeying God's command to make disciples? When's the last time you made a disciple? When's the last time you had an active part in developing spiritual growth in somebody? You can do it every week. You can do it every week in kids' ministry, in youth ministry. 6.8, they had over almost 50 kids last week. Crazy! Whereas last year, they didn't even have half of that. They're busting at 50 kids on Sunday morning. They need help. Reach Youth needs help. We need you. The command is to go and make disciples. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.